Hello and welcome to Top in Tech. This week, we're going to be focusing on the UK's Digital Markets, Consumers and Competition Bill. And while the title of that piece of legislation sounds dry, it is really stirring up controversy in tech circles in the UK. Don't let the tech giants water down digital competition, rang the headline from an op-ed written by Baroness Stoll in the Times last week. I launched Spotify in the UK 15 years ago, but I fear I couldn't do that today wrote Daniel Ek in the Daily Mail, the CEO of Spotify. In response, larger platforms have claimed that the proposals would hamper innovation and investment in the UK and could even compromise security and privacy for consumers. My name's Conan Darcy. I'm the regular host of this podcast. And with me today to unpack this all is Bart Miners, who leads GC's analysis of the so-called DMCC bill. So Bart, thank you very much for joining me today. If you don't mind by starting off, Bart, giving a quick refresh of what exactly is in the bill, what are the main headlines of that? What's the potted history behind how we got to where we are today? Sure. Great to be on. Yes. So this pertains to the rivetingly titled Digital Markets Competition and Consumers Bill. For the benefit of listeners, we'll just refer to it as the DMCC bill from now on. And to go back to the origins of this bill, we have to go back to 2018, when the government established the Digital Competition Expert Panel, chaired by Obama advisor, Professor Jason Furman, to examine the state of competition in digital markets. The next year, in 2019, the panel published its report and recommended the establishment of a digital markets unit, a DMU, to focus on the state of competition and regulation of competition in digital markets. The DMCC bill was then introduced in the House of Commons on April 25th of this year. And at the moment, we're awaiting report stage after committee stage was completed in July. In terms of what this bill actually proposes, what it's going to do, there are sort of several kind of digital competition policy threads that comprise this bill. That The key one or the most prominent one is, is this establishment of a DMU. The DMU would be a dedicated unit in the CMA and would govern the competition practices of the very largest tech platforms, which would be designated as holding strategic market status or SMS. If if platforms are designated as holding SMS, they would then face new requirements on how they can compete governed by conduct requirements, pro-competitive interventions and restrictions on how they can participate in mergers. Aside from that, there are also various provisions on commercial practices, which are considered unfair and subscription contracts, with the government also intending to introduce measures to combat fake reviews online through secondary legislation after it concludes a period of consultation. So a lot in there, Bart, but we're going to focus on the bit you highlighted initially, which is this digital markets unit, the so-called DMU. And I think for regular listeners, it's worth just pointing out that although there is differences in design, the DMU is effectively the UK's equivalent of the EU's DMA, the Digital Markets Act. So a similar principle being applied in the UK, although with some important differences in how they would design the rules for different platforms in the way that is probably less prescriptive than it happens under the, the EU legislation. So putting that to one side, Bart, can you just quickly explain why, as you said, a pretty dry sounding piece of legislation all sounds fairly sensible in the way that you just laid it out. But why has that become so controversial? Why that review element, that review threshold, why is that controversial? 
So the debate centres around the avenues that firms designated as holding SMS can take to appeal decisions handed down by the CMA and the DMU to the Competition Appeal Tribunal, the CAT. The draft bill, as presented by the government earlier this year, proposed that companies would appeal decisions through the Judicial Review or JR standard. Lots of acronyms to remember here. In short, this means that the CAT would consider appeals based solely on whether or not the CMA adhered to proper investigative procedures. It would not consider the merit of the appeals themselves. The argument there, as put forward by the government, was that this would ensure swifter consideration of cases and encourage a more sort of participative, a more collegiate attitude to regulation between regulator and regulated. The Public Bill Committee also heard claims that any deviation away from JR towards a higher appeals threshold or a more merit-based approach would allow big tech platforms, firms to stall the CMA's decisions by committing their extensive resources to getting to these sort of protracted legal disputes. Uh, On the other side of this, big tech firms and industry groups representing them argued that the digital competition regime should face greater checks and balances against these, what they framed as sort of unilateral CMA powers, uh, and require it to undertake uh, more exhaustive and slower investigations in order to ensure that they were watertight. Instead, they proposed an appeal standard known as JR+, which is applied currently in ex-ante telecoms regulation in the UK. Essentially, JR+, is the same as JR, but additionally, taking into account, taking due account of merits of, of these appeals. So around the middle of this year, the government was resisting some pretty significant industry pressure to move towards a more merit-based appeals approach. And more recently, which is why this debate has flamed up and emerged currently, there have been these rumours that the government is now considering moving towards a higher appeals threshold. In the background of all of this, we have concerns, more sort of contextual, but in certain quarters, that the government is becoming more prescriptive towards the CMA. The CMA has taken some pretty audacious and bold decisions since Brexit, most notably in Microsoft's proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard. In April, the CMA revealed that it would block that merger over competition concerns in the cloud gaming sector. After that decision was criticised by Microsoft Chair Brad Smith, the government updated its strategic steer of the CMA, setting out its strategic priorities, instructing it to ensure that growth is ensured and promoted as a result of its decision-making. And after that, the CMA then accepted undertakings from Microsoft in October. So this is all part of a sort of broader question, a broader concern over the culture of regulation at the CMA. And the important point there is the same appeals threshold that we're talking about that the government is putting into the bill or has put into the original text of the bill for the DMCC bill is the same as used for merger control decisions like Microsoft Activision. And a lot of companies do not like the difficulty that they face in appealing some of those merger control decisions. And likewise fear that that same concern, that same difficulty will jump across into the DMCC bill. And they point to other jurisdictions like the US, where they say appealing an FTC decision is actually much, much easier than it is to do so in the UK. And they feel that they are 
disempowered from doing so. So the raw politics here from both sides is, on the one hand, companies who are likely to be subject to some of these decisions are concerned that they are not going to be able to appeal them effectively. And then companies and supporters of this regulatory framework argue that if the appeals threshold is made easier for companies then the actual system won't function properly and thereby they won't be able to stand to benefit from the additional competition that this regime is designed to create. So that leads us then to the question part of who are the opposing camps arguing both of these pieces? So the loudest voices advocating a move to a more merit-based approach uh, have understandably been the industry groups and organisations uh, representing some of the larger tech companies, perhaps those more likely to receive SMS designation and face these additional requirements and obligations under the digital markets framework. At committee stage, we also had some academics and tech company representatives who criticised the proposals to use a JR standard. On the other side of this, we have a number of rather prominent political figures, such as as you mentioned right at the head of this podcast, House of Lords Communications and Digital Committee Chair Baroness Stowell of Beeston, who has written a letter to the government encouraging them to retain the JR standard and, as you mentioned, more recently has published this op-ed in The Times. There's also former Digital Minister Damien Collins. Those two have, have been some of the most vociferous of the political figures to have come out in favour of retaining the JR and urging it to retain its original proposal on the grounds outlined earlier. Uh, interestingly, actually, Professor Jason Furman, who you might remember was tasked with heading up the panel that originally made the proposal for the DMU, he has also warned against disrupting what he describes as the careful balance of the proposed regime as it is currently set out. On top of that, you have industry groups representing news media, creatives and publishers who, under the terms of the bill, will be better um, empowered to negotiate with platforms for use of their content. Uh, they've also encouraged the government to stay the course. Challenger companies in the tech sector, like Spotify, as you mentioned, which would benefit from large competitors facing some more onerous obligations on how they're allowed to act and compete, have highlighted how reigning in big tech would help the UK foster more innovation and attract younger tech companies. Consumer groups, finally, have also urged the government to maintain what they see as stronger protections for members of the public against outcomes in the tech sector that could harm their interests. So those are, those are sort of broadly the two sides of the debate at the moment. Yeah, and there's a lot of economic self-interest on on both sides. Clearly, the large platforms do not want a more difficult appeal threshold because that will work against their commercial interests. And likewise, those companies who are looking to benefit from the measures imposed on large platforms obviously want a harder appeal threshold because they want these decisions to stick and thereby enjoy the commercial benefits that then flow from that. Where are we then, Bart, on the options that the government is considering? There's lots of speculation here. Do we think the government might shift? And if we do think they might shift, in what direction do we think that might 
occur. Yeah, so unfortunately, speculation does rather characterize the level of detail that we have at the moment. Uh, There isn't a lot of firm detail on the menu of options reported to be under consideration. The Daily Mail was the first outlet to report changes being made to, or at least considered being made to the appeals framework, but it didn't give any specificity on what might actually replace the JR standard beyond suggesting that it would allow uh, for a much greater, a much wider scope for legal challenges to be mounted against the CMA's decisions. All that's currently understood for certain is that the government is reported to be given serious consideration to appeals from the tech sector to amend the appeals standard. JR Plus, uh, as we mentioned earlier, may be on the table or potentially a compromise solution between JR and JR Plus, perhaps one where merits would only be taken into due consideration for appeals against a certain subset of CMA rulings. A full merits-based mechanism is not under consideration, so that's not going to happen. The government itself, for its part, hasn't commented explicitly on these suggestions, on these rumours, but has stressed the bill is undergoing its legislative journey and changes may be made in order to best protect the public interest. The mood music from probably about a month to six weeks ago, when you would talk to people within government, did seem to be that the government was shifting towards one of the options that you've just outlined. But there has been a very vociferous backlash some of which I quoted at the start of this podcast, which seems to have given pause for thought. And it's not currently clear, as you say, Bart, exactly where the government is going to come out on this. But obviously we and others on the line should keep our eyes peeled uh, to see how that that works. And we'll keep everyone updated as, as it unfolds. The obvious question that then follows, Bart, is given we've got quite a delayed timetable, it's not going to come into effect perhaps for a long time. And actually the government who will oversee most of this is likely to be whichever wins the next general election, which we anticipate will be in the autumn, the fall next year. So it could be under a Labour government if they were to win and if the polls are correct. So what is Labour saying about this? So Labour haven't really come out and said much explicitly since these reports emerged, but it's pretty easy to uh, get a sense of where they would stand on this issue. Labour have historically been very firm in their support for the JR standard in the DMCC bill framework. Uh, Shadow Digital Minister Alex Davies-Jones, who was one of the two ministers responsible for Labour's approach to the bill at committee stage, uh, claimed that the JR approach was the right one Uh, at committee stage. This is against the backdrop of a prime minister who has positioned his government as uh, explicitly very tech friendly. Labour is instinctively a little more sceptical, generally favouring a slightly more prescriptive approach to deliver uh, what it sees as better outcomes for the wider public, as emphasised by Shadow Tech Secretary Peter Kyle's recent speech at Labour conference. It's very likely, uh, inferring from all of this, that should these rumours of a deviation to a higher appeals threshold gain traction, we can expect some strong Labour opposition to those proposals. 
and it cuts to the heart of the difficulty in being positioned as pro-business or pro-tech when the industry itself is very, very divided. So whether it's the Conservatives who win the next election or Labour, while both want to position the UK as a global tech hub, their messaging and their means for doing so is complicated by this issue because whichever side they choose, you're going to alienate the other. And that will play into the mood music around whether the UK is an attractive place to invest. So we've talked very much, Bart, so far about those large platforms, so-called big tech, who are going to get SMS designation and the challenges like Spotify and Epic Games and various others who hope to benefit. But are there significance if you're listening to this and you're from another part of the tech sector or the wider wider industries within the UK, is there any significance here for those companies that aren't necessarily in the firing line at the moment? So if you're not a big tech company, if you are impacted by these changes, they're more likely to be indirect impacts. The direct impacts will affect those companies who will be designated as holding SMS and those companies which hope to benefit from the remedies that the DMU would hand down onto those SMS companies. Against that, there has been this argument that once the DMU has been established, it could, as many regulators do, evolve uh, and the scope of its regulatory regime could expand with more companies in the future being designated as holding SMS. Some have suggested that semiconductor companies, for instance, or hardware or cloud computing companies could at some stage in the future uh, enter the scope of the DMU. So they could become more directly affected by these changes at a future stage. Worth saying, obviously, that that's very speculative for now, but the wider significance of where we go in this debate is the precedent that it could set in how the CMA approaches these sorts of cases in the future. Well, thanks, Bart. That's that's very clear. So thank you for joining and taking us through that. We'll keep a close eye on it as ever. And should there be major developments in the DMCC bill, we will no doubt revisit this either on a podcast here or indeed on a webinar or an in-person event in the future. For those who are listening today, thanks very much for joining. If you're interested in the DMCC bill and wider issues around digital competition, whether that's in the UK, Europe, the US or other parts of the world, don't hesitate to get in touch. You can find the details of Bart and other colleagues in the podcast notes or on our website, www.global-council.com. And thanks very much for joining us. Next week, we'll have a debrief on the UK's AI Safety Summit, and we will talk you through the initial results from a major report that we published last week on the regulation of generative AI in the EU, the UK, and the US. So please tune in then. Bye-bye.